Okay, so before we move on to the next set of instructions, I'd like to do a little bit of a review of the terrain that we've covered so far, because there's been quite a lot of ground that we've covered in a relatively short space of time. So over the course of the retreat so far, we've been exploring several different factors of the Noble Eightfold Path, more or less simultaneously. And in these instruction periods in the morning and the afternoons, we've mostly been working with the two meditative factors of right mindfulness and right concentration. And on the first morning, to try and help you get a sense of the distinction between the two, I used the analogy of the woman surfing, if you remember that, um, that as a very general rule, concentration practices aim to calm and stabilize and still the mind by staying with what seems the same. Whereas mindfulness practices are about noticing change, noticing difference, noticing how each experience has uh, different characteristics. So using the example of the breath again, if we were practicing mindfulness of breathing to develop concentration, we would just be knowing breathing in and breathing out. That's all. And we wouldn't be paying much attention to the specifics of the breath. Whereas if we're practicing mindfulness of breathing to develop insight, we would be noticing how each breath is subtly different and has different characteristics. So, for example, we notice whether the breath is long or short, rough or smooth, deep or shallow, and so on. And from there, we can open up our attention to include even more details of our physical experience as we were doing this morning, noticing physical sensations throughout the body and seeing that these two are constantly changing So pulsing and tingling and aching and throbbing and warmth and lightness and so on. And then again this morning we went on to open up to include the experience of hearing and to see how sound arises, stays for a little while and then passes away. And then there are moments, perhaps nanoseconds of silence between the sounds. So we're beginning to open up to the changing nature of all experience. Then yesterday I introduced the second foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of feeling tone or Vedana. And we practiced in dyads, recognizing just that first hit of whether an experience at any of the sense doors registers as pleasant or unpleasant or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, which is a bit of a mouthful, so it's usually just translated as neutral. And in that dyad practice, many of you reported seeing that Vedana too is constantly changing. So for example, some of you notice that one thing that registers pleasant one minute, a moment later, became unpleasant or vice versa. And many of you had the experience that something that your partner named to you as pleasant was something you yourself found unpleasant. And so this is part of the um, value of seeing feeling tone, of noticing feeling tone as just feeling tone, 
it helps to stop us taking it so personally and believing that it is true. So often on retreat, you know, we all, if we're not um, bringing mindfulness to feeling tone, we recognize something, something is pleasant or unpleasant and we believe this is how it is. This is ultimately true. So we get notes, the food is too spicy. And then another note from another person, the food's too bland. Or it's too hot in the hall, or it's too cold in the hall, or the lights should be on, or the lights shouldn't be on. All of this is driven by Vedana, not seeing pleasant, unpleasant, neutral playing out and taking it to be truth rather than a subjective changing experience. So in this way we can see how Vedana is really the building block of all of our reactivity. And because it does happen so quickly and it goes so almost instantly from unpleasant, don't like it, write a note about it, or pleasant, like it, write another note about it, because it goes from just the bare experience to the reaction, we need quite a stable mind to be able to catch it. And this stability of mind is an aspect of concentration or samadhi, right concentration. So this afternoon I'd like to touch in a little bit more to this quality of right concentration to explore what it is and how to support its development. So we all need to learn to recognize for ourselves how concentration is experienced, how it feels in the body and the heart and the mind when the mind is more concentrated. What are its signature qualities? And I mentioned that the English word that samadhi is usually translated as, concentration, is not so helpful because as soon as we hear it, we have this sense of narrow, focused, fixated uh, kind of attention. And as I said before, this sort of furrowed brow efforting to get concentrated, which is exactly what usually prevents it from happening. So there's a U.S. meditation teacher, Shinzen Young, who's practiced in both the Zen and the Vipassana traditions. And I like the way he frames this understanding. He says, Samatha is a practice of stilling the mind through letting go. In Buddhist usage, it is virtually synonymous with the term samadhi. The latter term is usually translated as one-pointedness or concentration. Unfortunately, the word concentration often carries the connotation of repressing the mind, forcing it not to wander from a certain object. Such a tug of war between the desire of the mind to hold an object and its desire to wander is exhausting and produces unconscious tension. This is the very antithesis of the samatha state. So whenever we notice that there's some kind of struggle in the mind, the invitation is to try and release that tension. And as I mentioned to someone the other day, making a bigger container, making more space metaphorically in the mind for whatever is going on, rather than getting in there and trying to micromanage it with gritted teeth, which usually makes the struggle worse and makes us more agitated, less concentrated, and so on. 
So even though you may not have experienced the deepest states of samadhi on this retreat so far, most of you have had at least some moments when the mind became a little bit more settled and have a sense of what a relief that is. Because in daily life, we're constantly bombarded by sights and sounds and smells and tastes and touches and thoughts and emotions and so going on thousands of times a second. And we don't really recognize the impact of all that until we have an experience of its absence of this quality of concentration when the mind becomes more settled and absorbed. So this quality of concentration gives our whole nervous system a rest and it's deeply satisfying, even nourishing. And it not only feels pleasant, it supports our capacity to see clearly, to gain insight, which is what makes it right concentration, is that it's used in the service of insight. So to quote Shinzen Young again, he says, you have to have a microscope before you can see the fine structure of the cells of your hand. And you have to develop some of this concentration power before you can see the very significant deep structure of your own psyche, your own mind and body. So concentration acts like a magnifying glass or a microscope that helps us to see the details and the nuance of our experience. So what are some of the conditions that support this quality? First uh, important one is simplicity or renunciation, what I was talking about last night, letting go of getting involved in things, simplifying our lives, um, letting go of busyness, guarding the sense doors from all our usual distractions. And when we can do this, the mind naturally starts to quieten down and come into a state of mental seclusion. And as a support for this quieting down, sometimes it can be helpful to gently encourage the mind to open to pleasant experiences as a support for the development of pleasant mental experiences. So if you remember the story from the Buddha's life when he was sitting in the cool shade of a rose apple tree as a child and he remembered that, he remembered that moment of sitting under the tree and spontaneously sliding into deep concentration. His body was relaxed, his heart and mind were relaxed because he was in a pleasant situation. He was secluded under the tree and those physical conditions allowed him to release into deep concentration. In the same way, one of the reasons I like to explore Vedana more fully is that we can see how where we turn our attention has an impact on the mind. So yesterday when you were exploring together unpleasant feeling tone, what did you notice? You noticed um, a difference from when you were exploring feeling, uh, pleasant feeling tone. Is that true? Depending on which one you are looking at, there were subtle or not so subtle um, reactions in the body and the heart and the mind. And even sitting here, if I'm not directly involved, I can feel the energy in the room between unpleasant and pleasant is quite different. 
sometimes on retreat at those times when the mind is getting tight or the body's tired and we just seem to be assailed by unpleasant um, experiences and by the hindrances, it can be skillful to actually turn and open up deliberately to pleasant feeling tone in the service of giving the body and the heart and the mind a rest. Not in the service of grasping and greed, which is a hindrance, but as a way of helping the system come back to balance. And that's another reason why I invited us to explore both of these. So at those times when perhaps you're just feeling very tight and contracted, or there's a lot of pain in the body, for example, you can open up and notice, well, what else is happening in my body besides this knee pain? My left knee is actually okay. My earlobe feels fine. The inside of my elbow is pretty good. So we're starting to look at more of the totality of our experience rather than that tendency to fixate on what's unpleasant, painful, uncomfortable, and so on. Likewise with the mind, when we realize that we've got caught in some kind of hindrance attack, we might open up and say, okay, it's hot in the hole. What else is going on? Beautiful apple tree outside the door. Sound of the birds calling. Pleasant breeze against the skin. Enjoyable aftertaste from lunch. Whatever it might be. So because of this negativity bias I keep referring to, most of us have a tendency to default to that. So consciously opening up more to the full spectrum of our experience can be very helpful. And when the mind and the body and the heart are more at ease and relaxed, it's much easier to settle into a samadhi state of deeper concentration. So rather than taking my word for it, I thought to offer one final interactive exercise and then from tomorrow we'll be maintaining uh, more solitude again. But for this last exercise, I wanted to invite you to um, come into pairs again if you like. And again, there's the option to do this alone. But if you'd like to work with a partner, this time we're going to do it as walking meditation. Walking together and exploring just pleasant feeling tone. So what this will involve is with your partner beginning to walk outside the two of you and you'll take it in turns to name anything at any of the six sense doors including including the um, mind. So you'll be naming any of the six sense door experiences that register as pleasant. So the first you want whoever's the first person to speak You'll walk a little bit, and when that person registers something as pleasant, you'll stop, and your partner will stop, and you'll name to them, seeing the apple tree, pleasant. Then you'll continue until the second person registers something as pleasant. They stop, you stop. The second person says, feeling the sun on my face is pleasant. Then you continue until the second, the first person. So it's just back and forth like that, walking together anywhere around the property. So you might notice where do you choose to walk. 
And that's all you'll be saying. So there'll be no back and forth, no analysis, no stories. Just this registers as pleasant. Thank you. Walk. This registers as pleasant. Thank you. Walk. That clear for everybody? Any questions about that? Okay, so again, if you would like to find yourselves a partner, we'll do this for about 15 minutes and then I'll ring a bell and then you can come back here and we'll just have a few moments to see what you discovered. So please stand, find a partner. If you want to work alone, that's fine. Just stay seated until people have left the hall.